This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined again by Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. It's great to be back. Hey, it's good to have you back, man. How was your trip to California? Uh, it was great. Surprisingly, this time coming back to Italy, I didn't have any major jet lag issues. So I just jumped straight into testing iOS 11, taking notes, watching the sessions that I didn't go to. It was a mm-hmm. lovely week, WWDC, lots of announcements, also new iPads. Um, so I, I've kept busy, um, feeling great. And now I'm just warmed with notes on iOS 11 and testing things. Yeah, I mean, as, as I just mentioned to you before we came on air, it's actually hard when you do a show like this to keep in mind all the things that are new. I, yeah. I've done a couple of episodes about iOS 11 so far, and I've always forgotten one thing that I thought was quite important <laughs> to talk about. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hit the heights um, in this show. And I think I think what I want for this show, Federico, is I want to talk about it from the point of view of having used iOS 11 for a couple of weeks now. And obviously we've both used it for... Uh, real-world work. We've we've got devices set up with it. We've got our apps on it. Uh, we're I don't know if you're running it full time and everything, but I'm I'm kind of going between because I've got access to you know spare iPads at school, so I've got uh, separate devices set up for it. But I've got it logged into my accounts and I'm I'm using it as much as I can for the things that I want to do. So yeah. uh, shall we dive into what we think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I have iOS 11 on my uh, on my iPhone. So mm-hmm. main iPhone, main and only iPhone. And I have it on my new, the second generation 12.9 iPad Pro that I bought last week. Um, okay. I got iOS 11 on it and I'm doing mo- basically most of my work with this iPad. Uh, actual real work like Mac stories and research and taking notes, everything. And also I, I have the 10.5 iPad Pro uh, that is still on iOS 10, so that allows me to have a stable okay. seed and sort of to compare the, like you said, what what was actually old and what is new and what is changing. Um, so I think now that I've, I've been using iOS 11 for basically two weeks, uh, the biggest change in terms of the stuff that I'm doing on my iPad is definitely drag and drop. And mm-hmm. um, I, I really wanted to see Apple doing this feature just because I've always thought that, you know, drag and drop has been uh, one of the one of the uh, classic features of desktop computers. But I've always thought, you know, it, it just makes more sense to do drag and drop on a multi-touch device uh, because you can actually drag the content and drop it with your fingers instead of having a representation like a cursor. You can actually hold yeah. items and move them around. And the way that, uh, that Apple has done this is interesting in a bunch of ways. Um, and we can argue about the implementation, but in, in, from a practical perspective, what I'm doing a lot uh, is, of course, right now drag and drop it works with third-party apps if they adopt like basic web views or text fields and text views, but the more sophisticated mm-hmm. implementations, the more custom implementations will need work. So around, right now, I'm using drag and drop with Apple apps mostly. And what I do a lot is I drop photos and screenshots from the Apple Photos app into Notes, also links from Safari into Apple Notes or into Mail, uh, files into email messages that I need to send to someone. And I've, uh, what I'm noticing is um, I'm saving a lot of time uh, that would have otherwise been spent going through the share sheet or going through document pickers. And because of the multi-touch nature of the feature, like you can hold on an item, then you can tap another one to add it to your uh, to your stack. I think Apple calls it uh, making the items flock onto the stack or something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was at the session. I was like, well, that's a funny way to put it. Um, but because I can do that with multi-touch, I'm, I can do multiple file operations at the same time. And that is one of the features that we always complained about. You know, it's so slow to deal with multiple files. And I'm realizing yeah. now that even if I need to be a sort of a contortionist with multiple fingers and multiple mm-hmm. hands, I can still save time. Yeah, I think it's going to be great if you're an octopus. It's going to be a really great operating system. For- <laughs> That's high, high praise from Fraser right there. <laughs> for the cephalopods amongst the audience, it's going to be a great show. Um, but 
I think you mentioned the, the idea of like multiple selection in drag and drop, and I think that that's one of the features that has never been possible on desktop computers to hold something and then gather other things into the same yep. operation. Uh, you, have, you know, on a desktop system, you have to uh, make the, the multiple selection first and arrange maybe icons on your desktop in such a way that you can drag across them all in one go or something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I think, you know, we've obviously had drag and drop on iOS for quite a long time, if you think about it in terms of uh, moving objects inside a single application. So we've been able to, you know, rearrange a keynote slide or, or position a, an image on a, a pages document by dragging and dropping in different areas. Uh, and this, the, the enhancement, of course, is multiple uh, cross-application drag and drop and obviously multiple items as well. So I think it's, it's going to be an interesting one uh, in terms of how widely does it get adopted um, and how many people in the, in the grand user base of iOS actually discover that this is possible. Now, I think the answer to that is actually more than you might think because the way that it's implemented at the moment, the the um, the wait time, if you like, for dragging something is relatively short. So, say if you if you touch and hold in the URL bar in Safari, for example, it very quickly lifts off and starts following your finger, and that indicates to people uh, that there's something you could do with that, and and uh, maybe they'll find a way to do something with it. I think one of my issues with drag and drop is that. Uh, you have to be able to see both the source and the target at the same time. And I think that's maybe where your contortionist comment comes in a little bit, Federico, because you have to, I feel like, you know, in order to quote unquote save time with a drag and drop, you may have to spend time arranging your workspace in such a way that uh, you've got the, the source and the destination side by side, or you can mm -hmm. get the, you can bring the destination under your hand if you want to, because you can do stuff like, uh, you've probably done this more than I, but if you start dragging, you can use like command tab on the keyboard uh, or you can use the multitasking uh, picker to choose another application and then drop as long as you continue to hold that drag. So there are some quite interesting sort of behaviors you can perform, if you like, in order to get your data from one place to the other. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see if we ever mm -hmm. observe people really doing that in the real world. Yeah, I, I think initially it was kind of strange uh, to... Like, for example, pick up multiple photos in multiple screenshots in the Photos app and then use the other hand to navigate the UI. Um, and it still feels kind of strange, but I'm getting used to it. And like, uh, I can see how for the more complex operations, like, for example, let's say that I'm in full screen with photos and I pick up five screenshots and then I want to change to uh, a split view instance of Safari and Notes. Uh, but then I don't remember where you know where the Safari icon is, where the notes icon is. I just swipe up and I enter the multitasking view, but I'm still holding. That's where it gets kind of weird because I'm moving throughout the entire OS while mm -hmm. my finger is still holding a bunch of screenshots. And yeah. that can be a little disorienting at first, but then it works. And I'm like, oh, you know, it is kind of weird. But it works, and it, and I feel like it. Where it's saving me the most time is it, not necessarily in like opening into another app, which is what I used to do with the share sheet. It's more about inserting content into a specific position of an app, like um, in the middle of a of a document in Notes, or right in the middle of an email message exactly where I want to have a link. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's more convenient than, than the share sheet because the share sheet was like, well, you can either open or you can append. But now yeah. I can share hold sheet and... is just like you fire it into this bucket without looking, yeah. you know, whereas drag and drop lets you do precise placement on, on, on the destination, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I have two concerns right now. The, the first one is, and Apple explained this at the sessions, like uh, as a developer, you can you can work with multiple file formats and uh, basically rely on the UTI system to define the kind of representations of your documents and your files that you want to expose to other apps. So if mm -hmm. you have a custom file format, that's the highest prior priority one. But then to maximize compatibility with other apps, you can also rely on other types of UTIs to say uh, this vector drawing, which is a custom extension, a custom file format in an app, can also be represented as a PDF document or a PNG image. And and in theory, that works. But I'm, I'm curious to see in practice, like, what happens if I have, 
I'm dealing with a custom, you know, vector drawing, and I want to have a PDF version in another app, but the second app insists on getting the PNG. And I'm like, no, I don't want the PNG, I want the PDF. So from a user perspective, I want to see how much control we'll get, and that's my first concern. The second one that I also, I think we we have a common vision here, is the activation methods of drag and drop uh, with the differences between the long tap, um, but also the contextual menus come up with the long taps. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be a little confusing maybe. Yeah, I mean, just to your first point there, Federico, that, that I remember that being an issue on quite early versions of, of iWork on Mac OS X back in the day, where using like OmniGraffle together with Keynote, there was an issue because I remember wanting to like copy and paste objects from Keynote, from OmniGraffle into Keynote, and when you did that, they always ended up just as one solid image. Oh, even though OmniGraffle had circles and shapes and lines, and Keynote had circles and shapes and lines, but you couldn't translate from one to the other because both were using their own custom format. So you, the, the the interoperable file format was PNG or whatever it was at the time. So th- that is an issue, and I suspect the answer is no control. And it's just going to be up to, almost a wee bit like URL schemes, it's going to be up to the two developers of the two apps to kind of mutually negotiate the highest repre- mm. highest fidelity representation they can in order to transfer the data across like that. Um, but yeah, your second point is, is well made, and I think this is something that I've... Uh, picked up on as well. The, you're, we're talking specifically here about dragging and dropping on the home screen, dragging and dropping app icons, which I think is is significantly worse right now than doing it with like images out of photos or URLs out of Safari or something like that. Because what they've done with the home screen is they've layered drag and drop capability on top of the existing touch interactions on the home screen. So in iOS 10 and earlier, if you tap an icon, that means open it. And if you do a long tap on it, that means enter rearrange mode, wiggle mode, so-called. And of course, you get the 3D touch side, which we don't have on the iPad. Mm -hmm. But there was really only those two things. There was a short tap and a long tap. But now there's four. (laughs) And this is where a lot of the the criticism I have of iOS comes down to very complicated motor skill behaviors. So if if you do a short tap now, that means open, of course, that you tap an app and it opens, that's fine. But there's now this thing called a popover menu or a recent menu where if you if you tap for a slightly longer time, it's almost like it's just long enough to begin a drag and drop and then you let it go immediately. Um, a popover menu comes up with that application's recent uh, files in it. And then if you tap and hold just a little bit longer, it will begin a drag. And if you hold a little bit longer again, it enters rearrange mode. So there's actually these four different levels of behavior. And I, I'm... My big problem with that is that that mm. just feels like that feels like um, just bugs or magic to people like children, older adults. They'll just be like, "Why did it do this one thing one time and this other thing?" And the difference is like ten milliseconds of holding. And yeah, like, I, you know. Yeah, I agree, and it. Uh, I think it comes down also to the timing of these gestures, like. Um, they, there needs to be a better separation, uh, better, like, my intention needs to be represented more clearly by iOS 11. And I, and I still believe that right now on beta 2, on the home screen especially, it can be a little confusing, especially because the recent files pop over. That That's where I think the core of the problem is. Sometimes, of course, it comes up if you're using an app that deals with documents, but other times it doesn't because you're not you're tapping and holding on an app that works with files so there's no files pop over to be shown and so the same gesture that would otherwise in a different application show you the recent files now it doesn't show you that menu and that's where yeah. the confusion comes from and th- that needs to be adjusted um so overall i would say um I shared the concern on the home screen uh, for the icons. I do think it's better when it comes to dragging and dropping content. So like links or text or photos that ultimately, because I think the timing and the animation is done better, like the content lifts up as you hold it. I think that's more intuitive. Um, and overall, I think it's it. Um, I'm gonna use it more than the share sheet, and I want 
that that's what I want to see this summer. I want all of my favorite apps to enable drag and drop with the custom implementations. Like I want to drag a sheet from Ulysses into Apple Mail and to for something to happen. And I want to be able to just drag anything I want from all of the apps that I use and drop it somewhere else and have it be a compatible format. That's the that's my my dream right that, now. That's that's the dream for sure. I mean, I think uh, you know, in, in terms of the, the the couple of issues we've identified there, you know, one of the things about that idea of holding a stack of items while you find the other app, I mean, if they had implemented a shelf in the drag and drop mode in the home screen, you know, that would have perhaps solved that problem, a place to park yeah. things so you don't have to, yeah. you, you, your finger effectively is the shelf, right? That That's, you know, in, in your concept video, that was the thing that, it's a it's a visual discoverable way to do that, whereas now you just got the idea of holding it while you do something else. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that you you think about it, right? Like, because the drag and drop yeah. is a sort of a transient state. I'm dragging. I don't want to hold forever. Like, uh, don't let me <laughs> keep the finger on the screen as I do this whole maneuver with the, you know, with with my other hands and yeah. I gotta do all these tricks. Uh, so it seemed obvious to me that there had to be a parking lot for content sort of like just stay there for a few seconds while i take yeah. care of these other interactions but you know uh, maybe it'll, next it'll be year. interesting as well to see how like how does that interact with the design of ipad cases because if you think about the way that some cases work they don't really stand up to heavy pressure on the screen like right. they tend to actually collapse under the weight of a heavy push on the screen um you know the smart keyboard is great because it's got that magnetic joint at the bottom but other cases that are, are of that kind of kickstand style, but they just rely on friction. I can see a lot of people trying to do these gestures and their iPad just collapsing under the weight of their arm <laughs> while they're trying to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I guess that's why they don't want to do 3D touch on the iPad, especially <laughs> yeah. because, you know, a lot of people use it with a keyboard on a desk, especially yeah. the iPad Pro. And if you try to apply even stronger, a stronger amount of pressure, well, the iPad is going to collapse on your desk. <laughs> Uh, so my, my proposal for fixing the home screen a little bit is basically that we go back to uh, tap to open an application uh, and if you wanted that popover menu, tap on an application with two fingers because it's a, it's a very much a, a power user shortcut. It's not a fundamental part of navigation. So you could have it effectively, you know, conceptually like a right click on, on a desktop computer. And finally, it's not clear to me why we have a rearrange mode and a drag and drop mode because they both behave differently. So wouldn't it be better if we just had one mode for dragging applications where you could pick up a bunch of applications and the only other thing you want to do there is you either drop them on another app to make a folder yeah. or you want to delete them. So if, you know, the way this happens on the Mac is if you start dragging a disk that can be removed, uh, the trash can turns into an eject icon in the dock. So why not just turn one of those applications into a wastebasket for apps and then you can have your drag and drop mode and your wiggle mode essentially be unified and be the same thing and then you can just drag to this virtual target that only appears when you're in that mode you know that to me that seems a a much simpler arrangement to have yeah i think it should be the same mode uh, and i think apple should make it easier like uh, should sort of infer what i want to do if i'm dropping an icon in between two icons it means i want to rearrange if i drop the icon onto another icon, it means I want to create a folder. But if I spring load the icon on top of another, so if I just stay there and wait a second, well, maybe I want to hold the icon and enter multitasking. Which brings yeah. me to... <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> because I've seen your tweets. A lot of people have seen your tweets, Fraser. Yes, they have. And, uh, they've been asking me about your opinion on multitasking. So... Um, uh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for whatever's going to happen here. <laughs> okay, so I mean, when we talk about multitasking, we're sort of talking specifically about uh, the idea of being using split screen, using slide over uh, as a way to arrange two applications in a, in a conceptual space side by side. Um, and when iOS 11 first came out, I, I freaked out. I was just like, this is completely broken. I, I do not understand what they have tried to do here. And I went back and watched the keynote and, and I'm, I'm not accepting all the blame for my lack of understanding because I think Apple did such a very uh, quick and short and 
quite frankly, not very good job of explaining to people why they had completely changed this fundamental part of iOS. So uh, that's partly on them. Um, but I, I kind of, I, I was horrified and then I, I sort of thought, well, okay, maybe I, I understand what they're trying to do. And now I'm kind of back down there again. I'm thinking, yeah, my first take was, was that this was not very good and I'm pretty sure it's actually not very good. Uh, and I, I'd love you to convince me otherwise, but I, I'm still a little bit distressed about it because... To, to kind of explain what I think is going on here, right? In iOS 10, you essentially have one split view, right? Where you can replace the left side of left side application using the standard launch techniques of uh, command tab on the keyboard, spotlight, or tapping an app on the home screen. And we had the right hand side or what the Apple called the secondary app, where we used that infinite scrolling tray of applications in order to find that one we wanted on the right hand side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that was, we criticized that enough in, in, in its lifetime. But in iOS 11, you, you can have effectively an infinite number of split views which you, in, into which you assemble uh, two applications. But what you do to get either application is the same set of techniques, right? And essentially it's drag and drop, right? So you, you bring the dock into it and you drag from the dock into the left or the right-hand side of the split pane. Uh, and once you pair two applications like that, they stay together uh, on a stable basis until you either collapse the split or you move one of the applications into another split somewhere else. So in that sense, it's it's more like they've brought spaces from the Mac. So the Mac has had these virtual desktops for years where you can you can add as many as you want and then using this view called Mission Control, where you sort of see a spread out view of all your windows, you can drag two windows together into a space and you can assemble a split very much like the split you can have in iOS 11. My problem with this, Federico, is that as kind of pro iOS users, one of the problems or one of the the behaviors that we do is we cycle through lots of apps on on a daily basis. So it's not clear to me that there will be stable pairs of reliably useful combinations of apps. So, you know, at one point in the day, mail and calendar might be a useful pair. Later on, mail and notes might be a useful pair, then mail and something else. And the best way I can sort of think to characterize this is that you have the mail and something split and you just keep replacing the other side with something else. Uh, But I, I kind of feel like, as I've been using iOS 11, that I spend a lot of time just reassembling workspaces all the time, uh, you know, collapsing this workspace, breaking it apart, putting it into something else. Um, and it's kind of, I just feel like I'm doing a lot of arranging work, kind of like being an app janitor, do you know what I mean? It, we, at least with the iOS 10 and, and 9 split view, it wasn't fiddly to get to the other app, it was just tedious but at least it was a stable place where you knew the apps were going to be and you just had to mm-hmm. kind of scroll through them until you found them. Whereas the way they've done it here, you've got to think about like, well, where is the other app? How You've got to kind of mentally make a pathway to get to two apps and then uh, and then you've got to think about what's the pathway to get back mm. to the interface where I'm going to assemble them in a split view. And, and I find that quite cognitively demanding you've got to mm. you've got to kind of develop an ad hoc strategy for well i've got mail here i want to put uh i don't know omnigraffle on the other side let's say right where's omnigraffle it's not in the dock i mean if it's if the app's in the dock it's fine right that was the demo they did in the keynote was the app is in the dock so you just pull the dock up and you just drag it in dead easy but what if the app's not in the dock and so then you've got to say well i've got mail i want to replace the other side with omnigraffle Where's Omnigraffle? Okay, it's in my graphics folder, so I've got to go. How do I get to my graphics folder? Uh, well, it's not in the dock, so how do I get there? Well, I have to press the home button to go back to the home screen. Now both maps are gone. Uh, let's find my graphics folder. Let's find Omnigraffle. Okay, now how do I get back from here to the place where I can drag this app into side by side with Mail? So the answer is you pick up Omnigraffle with one finger you then have to somehow get mail back up on the screen. So you could command tab back to it, you could tap it in the dock, or you could swipe the whole height of the screen, choose mail in the multitasking view. All while, This is all while holding that other application under your finger, and then you drop it in, right? And like, <sighs> if that's going to be something I'm going to do every day of my life, I'm going to hate iOS 11 even more than I hated iOS 10 multitasking. There's there's got to be something I'm missing or there's got to be something iOS 11 is missing 
that makes that not be something I have to do all the time. And I've already seen, as you probably have on Twitter, Federico, people posting their iOS 11 screenshots. And what they're doing is they're making a f- one folder that's got every app on their system, like a junk drawer, and they're sticking it in the dock just so that they can get to any app they want uh, by pulling up the dock and going into this one junk drawer and finding any app and dragging it out. And to me, that really seems like a workaround for a very broken part of design. And I, I think this urgently needs to be fixed. I think it's going to be a really annoying problem. So that's what yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I agree with everything you said. And I believe that we've been complaining about iOS 9 and iOS 10 and the multitasking, the split view app picker so much. And now we we have landed on something completely different. And there's like multiple elements that I want to sort of go through here. So I feel like the first problem is that this redesign is very, uh, very data-driven because I have a feeling that Apple optimized for what they believe the average iPad user does, which is most people, let's say 90% of people, tend to use 10 apps all the time on their iPads. So if you use 10 apps, then great. Yeah. Let's just put a dock in there and... Get those 10 apps in there. Get those 10, yeah. those 10 apps in there and the problem has been fixed. But then we get to the sort of the fork in the, in the road of it is called an iPad Pro, which means that Pro users use the iPad Pro. And if you're a Pro user, you don't use 10 apps, you, just, you use 60 apps. You yeah. have maybe 100 apps in your device and you want to have a reliable way of searching for apps while still in the multitasking view. Now we get to the second principle of this redesign, which is a space cannot be broken in any way. If you have a space, so two apps in split view, nothing can override that split view arrangement, that space. And I realized this when I was doing some automation with workflow. Used to be that when I was in split view on iOS 10, and if I had workflow on the right side and Ulysses on the left side, and Workflow was doing something that, for example, required to launch Safari, my split view would change in place. So one app would be swapped with another. On iOS 11, if you have, let's say, mail and notes in split view, and you tap a link, none of those two apps will change. You will be taken into the full screen view of Safari. So, I mean, I can live with that. I mean, if that's the core principle, I can see some value in that of it's a space, so it cannot be broken. But then if we follow this idea, then why can I not pin my spaces as the most important ones? Because if nothing can break a space, then not even the recent order of multitasking should put a space down the list. And what I'm realizing now that I'm ending up with is I have all these fixed spaces like WWDC app and notes, mail and Todoist, but then I cannot find them anymore because they go all the way to the left side of multitasking. So I think one solution there would be to let me pin my spaces because if they are so important anyway, just let me mark them as favorites. But my biggest problem is, as you mentioned, what happens if I want to search for an app and it's not in my dock, I don't have a folder, and it's not in my recent uh, left side of the dock. And I just don't understand, and this is my really my biggest complaint is, I feel like parts of iOS 11 have been redesigned by engineers that work with a smart keyboard connected to the iPad most of the time. Yes. And I'm going to explain yes. why. Yeah. Um, because a solu- quote-unquote solution would be, well, you come on space, you open Spotlight, which is a full-screen overlay, you search for an app, and then you hold it. This is completely hidden in the UI, but you can actually hold an icon from Spotlight, close a Spotlight, or maybe just even start dragging, and in mm-hmm. the background, the app would drop in either into split view or slide over. Yep. And this is complete, like, 
I, I challenge any average user to discover that this is possible. But the big problem is this is only possible if you have an external keyboard connected to your iPad because, and this is the other thing that drives me crazy right now about iOS 11, if you don't have an external keyboard, there's no easy way to open Spotlight with touch anymore. Because it used to be, well, I can just wipe down from the status bar and I open my widgets with Spotlight. But now, when you swipe down, <laughs> there's the cover sheet with notifications. So that's why I believe this was redesigned by people who keep iPad Pros on their desks with a smart keyboard all the time. Because yes, it is possible to command space, search for an app, and drop it into split view. But the moment that you remove the external keyboard and you use multi-touch, you gotta go, as you, as you said, Fraser, you gotta go back to the home screen and do the crazy process of holding the icon and somehow get back into multitasking and drop the icon there. So the, what, 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 what kind of conclusion are we reaching here? First, this design should not be done exclusively for people who use external keyboards. It should also opt be optimized for touch. Second, I think the Spotlight UI should not be full screen anymore, should be like on the Mac. It's a floating panel that lets you see content underneath instead of blurring everything. Yep. And Thank third, you. there should be a way to, I'm not saying bring back the old app picker, but a way to have an integrated search somehow in the dock or somewhere just it's okay yeah. that I can put yeah. 13, 15 apps in the dock, but just let me search for something else. Yeah. And and I think your comment also about um, splits just becoming, you know, spaces in the stream of multitasking is also a, a live issue as well, because part of the problem is that they've essentially taken the spaces idea from the Mac and brought it to iOS. But there are conceptual differences between the Mac and iOS because on the Mac, what you're doing is you're pairing windows together, whereas on iOS, you're pairing apps together. And there can only be, an app can only be in one space. Whereas on macOS, an app like Safari can possibly exist in multiple spaces at the same time because you can have multiple windows, right? Secondly, on the Mac, when you create a new space, they exist in a, a conceptual space at the top of the mission control view. So if you swipe up on your trackpad with four fingers, you go into this view where you've got a spread out view of all your windows and across the top, you've got space one, two, three, four, five, and then a plus button where you make a new space and then you drag stuff into it. So on the Mac, you explicitly create and then arrange a space. Whereas on iOS, they just sort of coincidentally happen uh, by pairing two apps together in a split view. And then they just sort of stream off to the left as, as you use other, other screens. Where, so I think if that multitasking view, like what does that mean anymore, right? On, on iOS 4, whatever it was, the dock rolled up and you could see your recently used applications. Does that really make sense in an iOS 11 world? I'm not sure that it does. I think that that view has to be much become much more like mission control. It has to be a place where you can create new splits, you can drag apps into splits, and then you can actually arrange the splits themselves for quick access, like you said, pinning, yeah. all of those things. And yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done on this. Mm -hmm. And I'm a wee bit concerned that it's not going to be done because it's yeah. it seems like a fully conceptually worked out design, but it is it does have like a few very tall and sharp cliffs Mm -hmm. of functionality that you can fall off very rapidly if you if you want to try something that wasn't really planned uh, yeah I, I should say i love the dock like i'm um, when i go back yeah, to iOS 10 and i swipe up and i'm like oh no control center why yeah. <laughs> i love the dock yeah but there's other stuff that is missing like that's a great step but i cannot like i'm i'm the kind of pro user that 15 apps are not enough and um uh, and I feel like there's, it's so clear that it's so within our grasp that something is missing right now. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I fear it's going to be another two years of constant complaining about <laughs> this single missing problem and missing yeah. feature. And I'm like, oh, I, I know what this is going to be like and it's going to be, I'm going to suffer because of this. I mean, what, what if like, when you swipe up the dock up from the bottom edge, there's a little search field just stuck on the top of the dock. And if you type into that, the dock changes to be those search results. You know, or, you know even, even that, just to be able to yeah. search stuff into the dock so that you could then quickly drag it, you know, something like that. But yeah, I, 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 if you're 
along with you that we're, we're maybe looking at a, a, <laughs> a different but equally frustrating problem, possibly yes. even more frustrating problem actually, uh, because we were close. But we're, you know, because yeah. we, yeah. we do run through a lot of apps in a day. You know, it's not. You mentioned we use you know forty, fifty, sixty apps together. In one working day, you might hit twenty-five to thirty of those apps quite easily. We're not joking about that. That's for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so instead of something we don't like, <laughs> can I tell you about something I do like? Yes, please. Uh, and I do like Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash canvas. You'll get a 14-day free trial, and when you enter the offer code canvas at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone who has a site. And they do this by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services. For example, if you're a Pingdom user, monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database, or website will be a breeze. Pingdom takes care of this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking availability as often as every minute. These days, websites are becoming more and more sophisticated and very often include several dependencies, such as contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, logins, search functionality, and loads more. So Pingdom makes it possible to monitor the availability of all these key areas of your site. It's not just about the whole site anymore. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages. That's more than 400,000 a day. So whether you've got a small website or you're managing, you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor its availability and performance. All Pingdom needs is the URL that you want to monitor and they take care of the rest. When Pingdom detects an outage, you'll be immediately alerted so you can fix the error before the downtime affects you. You don't want to be caught out when someone wants access to your site, so you need Pingdom. Check it out today and you'll be the first to know when your site is down. So go to pingdom.com slash canvas for a 14-day free trial and use the code canvas at checkout to get 20% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Really FM. So with iOS 11, we're getting basically a finder. Mm-hmm. Um, as I as I wished in my in my concept and and wishes article, um, it's called files, uh, which matches the descriptive descriptive nature of app names on iOS. I should have thought about that. You know, uh, yeah. apps are called photos, mail, calendar. So files sounds they're named for the finder. content, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, this is basically the finder reimagined for iOS. Uh, it's uh, it. Um, uses the same design language of Apple Music, the App Store, all of these like bold headlines and uh, you know big fonts, very easy to use, and it uh, it defaults to iCloud Drive, but it's based on the idea of multiple file providers in the sidebar. Um, so in the future, with once iOS 11 launches and if developers adopt the feature, you will be able to have uh, at a at the very first like top level destinations things like iCloud Drive, but also Dropbox or OneDrive or God knows maybe even Google Drive, uh, and <laughs> hey. it's yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the kind of. Uh, it's the kind of modern file manager that I feel like it's been built for multiple clouds, you know, because people switch yeah. between multiple cloud services all the time, whether it's because of personal usage or work, you know, services. And they Apple is trying to make third-party file providers first-class citizens into the Files app, which... It's not as complex or maybe versatile as the Finder yet, but you can do tags, you can uh, save folders as, as favorites in the sidebar, and there's a new iCloud sharing feature to to share any arbitrary file with someone in your iCloud contacts, which is nice. Uh, so I think it's definitely a step forward, you know, based on mm-hmm. what we used to have before with iCloud Drive and document pickers. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, with drag and drop and iCloud sharing and the API for file providers, this will actually be a pretty sweet solution. I uh, I have my I'm feeling pretty optimistic about it. Yeah, I am, I am too. I, th- I think files is is one of the nicer and and currently very well done. You know, with there aren't really many that I can see at least not being somebody who's building a plugin for it or whatever. I can't see many reasons to dislike files. You know, I, I think. In my early days of being an iPad user, I had kind of hoped that we would maybe be able to get past the concept of files. Clearly, that world hasn't arrived, so we might as well have a, a finder built for built for touch, built for 
multiple applications built for and, and cloud first, right? Because see, that's the other thing to me that files really kind of portends about the future of iOS is that it, it's very much a cloud first finder. It's not a, here's all your local files, and by the way, you could connect to a cloud service if yeah. you want to, right? So if you kind of think about an application like Documents from Readle, that's kind of how Documents works, is like, we've got our sandbox here, and then you can sort of shuffle stuff off to the cloud if you want to. And and that that's kind of, in some ways, a sort of older way of thinking about it. Files is very much cloud first, and it clearly shows to me that iOS is pushing hard towards a cloud first data model, there is a section called on my iPad, but that's clearly, you know, not deprecated, but it's it's not very functional. It only lets you look at other application sandboxes. It doesn't let you mm-hmm. uh, store stuff into there, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. You can't use it as an arbitrary file storage space. It's not meant for that. You're supposed to use put your files in the cloud now. And I think it's, it's a very interesting design because... Um, it's intended not only to be a standalone app, but it's also supposed to replace all those custom file pickers and galleries that you see in applications. If you go into Keynote or Pages, for example, the first thing you see is a big scrolling list of icons, which is all your files. That's going to be replaced by essentially the exact same interface as what you find in the Files app. And that's quite good design, I think, because a lot of well, all iPad users are app-first workers. You know, we go to the app and then we go to the file. And that's clearly still going to be possible in iOS 11. You can go to Keynote, you'll be then presented with essentially the Files app inside Keynote, and then you can do your work that way. So people won't have to relearn a whole new way of working. But also, and I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, have this conversation again in a year's time, Federico, and see how do we work now? Because another way of doing it could be like a very Mac-like way of behaving where you first go to the Finder, you get your file, and then you go to whatever app is associated with that file. And it'll be interesting to see. I don't know how that's going to change me yet. I, I don't know if I'm going to become an app-first guy or I'm going to become a file-first guy. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was impressed by the um, the fact that Apple is em- embracing all of these different clouds. Like, instead of yeah. being like, oh, you get the, the best features and, you know, you get the, f- the real files app if you use iCloud Drive. And then, yeah, we're letting these other guys make their yeah. extensions. And it's not like that, because based on what we saw at the sessions and reading through the technical documentations and talking to Apple people, it seems like they're accepting the fact that, yes, people do use different cloud services, um, which is great. And I also like how, I saw some people saying, well, uh, the future of the iPad is the Finder that has existed on the Mac for decades. And to an extent, maybe that is true, but also there's a difference, I think, that it's important to note. And how, like, Apple is read, like, it's sort of, it is a chance to start over and fix the mistakes of what came before. And I think the the file provider extensions, they are a great example of this. Because rather than saying, well, there you go, there's a file manager, and sorry, we're not letting third parties do this. And you end up like the Mac, where folks like Dropbox have been doing all sorts of crazy hacks and workarounds to inject their UIs and their features into the Finder, which is not really secure, right? You're asking people to like no. grant permissions and override some settings. That is not pretty or safe. Instead, here, you're using the sandboxing model of iOS. You're using the same extension model of iOS and the, you know, all the, uh, to, to, to ship these features that are safe, hopefully... Uh, they work well, they're secure, they use stuff like file coordination, bookmarks, and all these other technologies that Apple, they are well-tested, they are they respect the, same, the sandbox and the privacy of iOS, and they're just built from the start f- with this new model in mind. So yes, it is a file manager that has existed before, but it's like when you raise your children to learn from your mistakes and to be better people, this is like... It's the, you know, it's it's the child of the finder, but it's sort mm-hmm. of trying to be better and trying to be more modern and, you know, to respect the way that people work on iOS. But again, all of this is in theory, if it actually works. I think it will, but, you know, we can yeah. be sure right now. I, I kind of feel like Files is a very new user interface onto very well-tested systems, right? Because you'll have seen from the, the sessions you were at Federico and watching the videos from myself, 
Um, this is all built on the document provider technology that has actually worked very well for a couple of years now. Um, and I, 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 there will be work to be done in order to get you know Google Drive and Dropbox apps to play nicely with files. Of course there will, but I don't expect that to take like two years before we get there. I, I think that should be a relatively quick thing that we get. So I'm kind of looking for files to be something that uh, becomes a major part of workflow really quite soon. Uh, and I think between files, because what's happening there is you're dealing with cloud stuff and in the background, the system's making decisions about whether um, those files actually are, are purged from local storage or there's cache locally and things like that. And at the same time, you've also got features like app offloading as well, where an app that isn't frequently used um, is automatically sort of deleted from your device, but its files and its icon are kept so that when you want to use it again, you just have to download it from the app store again and run it. And it's, it's things like that, that and iCloud photo library and app thinning and downloadable content and all of these kind of capabilities. It's starting to become like, you can see iOS converging a little bit more with a kind of Chromebook type model where by default, everything's backed by the cloud and your local storage is just a temporary cache for apps that you use a lot, files that you frequently hit, things like that. And I think for, uh, files is really one of the ways that we're going to get to that um, because the, the idea of local storage inside app sandboxes that has to be backed up through your iCloud backup, I think that's a heavily deprecated idea now, uh, if not in name, at least in spirit. Uh, and it'll be very interesting to see how that's going to happen. And the, uh, the idea of people re like Apple recognizing that there are multiple cloud providers. When we use, for example, Keynote and Pages in school, we kind of have to use iCloud Drive because iCloud is like the first class citizen in those apps. Right, that's where your files go. And then secondarily, you can punt one of them off to Google Drive if you want to. But in a future um, where we've got files built into all these apps, you can actually work 24-7 with Keynote and you could only ever store your files on Google Drive. And it seems to me that that will be as good an experience in iOS 11 as using iCloud Drive with Keynote is today. And I think that's a really good thing in the long term because it means that we can, you can have your work cloud and your personal cloud and things like that. But mm -hmm. you, and you can also you can still get the as good a user experience as if you were using just Apple's cloud. And I think this is also Apple's perhaps workaround for schools, where we've been begging them for years to give us more than five gigs of iCloud storage space per pupil, and they haven't done it. And I wonder if the story is going to be now. Well, I just plug in Google Drive into files and do that instead. Maybe that's part of what that story is. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Well, you know, I'm, I really want to wanna try some of these new extensions, uh, hopefully before September. We'll see. Fraser, tell yeah. me about screenshots. This is life-changing. You'll know this as well <laughs> I know, as I right? do. Yeah, <laughs> but the, to me, these are the two things that without any reservation or hesitation whatsoever, I can say these are the two uh, most perfect features in iOS 11, and I love them so much already. Um, we mentioned in our show with Marilyn Mann a couple of weeks ago, I, one of the things I really advocated for was screen recording on iOS because I, we'd used it in school inside Swift Playgrounds through Replay Kit. And to have that available for the whole system now is already game-changing. I mean, you can see it on Twitter. People are now communicating their opinions of iOS 11 through uh, you know, 10, 20, 30-second screen recordings posted to Twitter. And it illustrates just so well what people mean by this thing or that thing. Uh, if, if people are running iOS 11, which most of you shouldn't be, I may add, um, it's, all it is is an extra button you can add to Control Center. And you just swipe up Control Center, you press record, and suddenly everything that happens in your screen is being captured. And it's being saved as a video into your photos library. And it is just so perfect. It's, it's just great. I can't, I can't begin to tell you how happy I am about this. And of course, you'll know Federico from your reviews, the screenshots workflow is just so much better than it's ever been before yeah. as well. Yeah, it's, it, uh, I've, I've noticed just the other day, I was taking screenshots and uh, when you do, they end up in a stack, right? If you take multiple screenshots, they sort of float towards the bottom left, like as multiple cards. And the other mm -hmm. day I was like, I had three screenshots and I wanted to upload one, um, so I hit the share icon and I ran my workflow. And to my surprise, you can actually share multiple screenshots at the same time. So all of my... Uh 
repeat loops in workflow that deal with multiple images, uh, they work like uh, out of the box already with this new screenshot uh, markup view in iOS 11, which is glorious for me. One thing that I don't like about the screen recording is that it keeps your blue bar at the top. Yeah. Uh, and I and I kind of wish that Apple would follow the QuickTime uh, style when you do the screen recording with a Mac. It sort of cleans up your status bar. Like I understand mm-hmm. why you want to show the UI on the device itself to tell people you're actually recording a video now. But I wish yeah. that the exported version, the actual video file, wouldn't have the blue bar at the top, but would have like a clean, you know, status bar, or maybe just the normal status bar with no, um, with no blue. Uh, UI, yeah. but you know that's yeah. a minor complaint. Oh. Yeah, the the blue status bar I think is getting a little bit overloaded in iOS. It, it means a lot of different things. It can mean your device is doing airplay. It can mean your device is being screen recorded, and in schools, it can also mean your teachers looking at your screen using Apple Classroom as well. Uh, I think we maybe need to get a few more colors into that status bar for uh, for someone to differentiate some of those things. But basically, the idea with the screenshot says you take the screenshot, it floats into this corner, and then you can tap it. And then you can do a bunch of stuff with it and share it and it never hits your photos library, which is, unless you want it to, you can save it as well. But that's that's kind of the key ideas for those kind of transient screenshots. Uh, they never have to be saved. So it's not screenshot, open photos, find it, do something, share it. It's much, much quicker. Um, and of course, once you get inside that markup view, you've got basically all the tools from Apple Notes. You've got, you can crop the screenshot, which is something I do quite a lot. Pen, highlighter, pencil, eraser, and the selection lasso from notes. Uh, also six colors of pen, so you can draw with uh, red, white, black, red, green, blue, whatever. I don't know if you noticed, Federico, but they've actually reduced the number of colors in both notes and the markup view from what's in iOS 10. Yeah, in iOS, I in iOS 10, there's two there's two panels of color wells, and in iOS 11, there's only one. Um, you can also put in a text box. You can add your signature. So if you're doing something where you sign things, uh, you can have saved signatures and just apply one. And very nicely, actually, there's a magnifying loop. So a little circle that zooms up what's inside the circle where you can vary also the diameter and the zoom level inside that circle. So um, there's nice ways to call out things on the view as well. Um, You can have a square, a circle, a speech bubble, an arrow, all with variable line thicknesses and colors and fills and stuff. It's really, really quite rich. I'm, I'm really pleased with it. I think it's, I think it's going to be very good fun to use. So moving on to um, the final feature that I want to talk about, this control center, which is getting this, again, this major redesign on iOS yeah. 11. And just last year, Apple moved from a single page design to multiple pages. So you had the... Uh, toggles, then the audio controls with music and other audio apps, and the HomeKit page. And now Apple is moving back again to a single page design that is, however, based on this sort of Lego-like structure. You get these multiple elements, these multiple blocks that you can customize to an extent. So you can have the uh, system toggles, which are in a sort of in a fixed position and you cannot change them. But then you have additional shortcuts for things like, as you mentioned, screen recording or um, there's an Apple TV remote that you can trigger voice memos. You can trigger, uh, you can open the Apple wallet. There's HomeKit, there's low power mode. And these kind of look like icons uh, towards the bottom of the control center and you can customize them from the settings. And it's really different and I'm still not sure what I think. I mean, I do appreciate the additional controls, but I have some reservation on some aspects like it's heavily reliant on either 3d touch or long presses if you want to engage with these interfaces for example if you want to see more of what is playing right now in the music app you need to long tap or to use 3d touch on the music box and to expand it into a music card that shows you the progress bar the volume controls and the audio outputs and that is one of my problems right now that is so difficult to quickly switch off and on the airpods for example if you want to change outputs it takes just more taps than before um, but it's also it's also nice that i you know i can have a shortcut to create a note for example or to open low power to enable low power mode on my devices so that's nice um uh, mainly, I'm I'm not sure. I guess about the way that it looks, and it just 
And it also makes me think about that Apple is going to redesign Control Center every year, basically. So it's sort of... It feels like it's a feature that I cannot trust. And not in the sense that it doesn't work, but that as soon as I learn how it works and I teach my parents and I teach my friends how it works, Apple is going to change it again. (laughs) And it's like every year we're going to start over with Control Center. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I have hated, viscerally hated every single version of Control Center the first time I've seen it. Uh, and this year is no different. I hated the iOS 10 version. I hated the iOS 9 version. I hated the iOS 8 version. I hated the iOS 7 version. Um, every every year, it just seems so jarring when they change it. And then you get used to it, and, and it's fine. you know. And the iOS 10 one is actually, I, I really quite like it. I particularly like the music controls being a distinct space where you can do it. Because there's a lot of kind of operations you do with that now. But I, I agree with you on the dependency on long press and or 3D touch. And I think that makes it doubly weird on the iPad because in the iPad, there are some buttons that just respond to a simple tap. There are others that respond to taps and to long presses. And there are some, in particular, the screen mirroring option, which we use a lot in school because of Apple TVs, which literally does nothing until you do a long press on it. So it has no functionality in its collapsed state. Uh, It only has functionality when expanded. So... To me, that's kind of like, these things all look the same, but they behave differently. And I think in, in principle, that's a bad idea in user interfaces. Two things that look the same should behave the same. Uh, and if they behave differently, they have to look differently. And that's that's not really something that quite flows with that view of Control Center yet. Now, I haven't used it on a phone, Federico. You have. Um, in on, on the iPad, when you do that long swipe up from the bottom to the top of the screen, you get both the traditional iPad multitasking view and you kind of get control center jammed on the side. Is, is that the same with the phone? Um, I'm not sure. So let me see. I got iOS 11 right here. So what should I try? I can try everything here. So if, if you're, say you're looking at the home screen, if you swipe from the bottom, swipe up from the bottom of the screen, do you just get the control center controls? Yes. No, you get okay. you got you got all the yeah you got all the controls that you set. It's like a full screen view, and if you have multiple right. like if you added all of the shortcuts, the system toggles go all the way to the top. Right. Okay. So you it's just using the full screen for control center. Yeah. Whereas on if you double press the home button, what do you get there on the phone? Same full screen UI, but it's not the it's not the control center. It's it's swiping between apps. Is that right? Yes, you don't you don't get you don't get any control center. Just the cards for apps. Right. So it, that's one of the differences between the phone and the iPad, oh, which yeah. is that on the iPad, you when you double press the home button or you swipe up from the bottom of the screen to the top, you get like the multitasking view with the yep. control center shoved on the side. Yeah, and that is actually kind of convenient, I think, because uh, I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like there's some space there, and then maybe you're gonna you're gonna use uh, you you are going to use uh, spaces all the time on the iPad because that's the way that Apple wants you to use iOS 11 now. Whereas maybe I don't know, I just I, I'm I've never been a big user of the multitasking switcher on the iPhone. For some reason, I tend to yeah. go back to the home screen a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I was surprised when uh, you know when they showed the the multitasking picker on the iPad and it's got the the control center there and maybe even just some toggles on the iPhone would have been fine. You know, when you double click the home button, maybe just the hardware ones. But I think that's because that's where the um, proactive recommendations will be. Like if you want to open uh, Ulysses that is already open on your iPad, you double click the home button and you get like a suggestion bar for like the continuity stuff. Um, but yeah, I can see I can see what you mean with the inconsistency. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's a problem. I mean, I think it's it may even help discoverability on the iPad if, if Control Center is kind of in there beside things that um, something that people already know how to use. So I, I think it's it, I like the expanded functionality. I don't love the visual design. Um, you're going to see a lot of inconsistency between. Uh, different people's devices as well. So at least, you know, the control center on iOS 10 on the iPad is kind of, it's quite 
weird it being that small on such a big device, but at least it's the same as it is on your phone, more or less. Whereas on uh, iOS 11, the two are very different and maybe it's going to be a little harder to develop some muscle memory, but the expanded functionality is great. And I think that third-party plugins for that part of the system are oh, such yeah. an obvious iOS 12 feature. Uh, that's just got to happen. Yeah, I mean, it just seems so perfect for, you know, you go into the settings and you get extensions for Control Center and developers can maybe offer two types of extension. One is the shortcut that just opens a feature into your app, like new tweet in Tweetbot, or you can maybe show inline UIs like you can have a UI for music controls or a UI for home key controls maybe apps could have quick UIs into control center so two types of extensions it seems so obvious to me that we're gonna get it eventually we'll see yeah I bet you that's how it's implemented internally anyway mm. you know the Apple applications the, the notes team have probably used that API already to do the notes button in there and it's just not been exposed until next year yeah so shall we wrap up? I mean, I think we've. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to leave on. I feel like we've been really negative tonight, um, and I, I think it's. I don't think we've been unfair though. I think some of the things we've highlighted, there are quite serious problems with some of the designs that are in there. Um, some bits of iOS 11 are absolutely great, and I think for the bits that we just kind of love and and have accepted already, we didn't really bring them into the show. But I think it's. Uh, there's still work to be done and it's early days and I know you've filed bugs and I've filed bugs on some of this stuff. And mm -hmm. I think um, my concern a little bit is that some behaviors that are going to be essentially required behaviors to be what you might call a pro iOS user are significantly more complex than they have been before. And iOS is gradually gaining power and losing simplicity at the same time. And I had hoped perhaps against hope that, we would have been able to gain the power without increasing the complexity. I don't know if that was a silly thing to hope for, but I feel like some of those things, like we discussed about um, bringing an app that's not in the dock into multitasking, that's that's really hard to do. And and I think some of that really needs to get simplified if we want you know, the majority of iPad users to be doing those kind of behaviors. Um, but overall, I think, you know, in large part, almost everything is significantly improved in iOS 11. Um, and I'm just hoping that some of these little bugs, not little bugs, but sort of design flaws can be fixed uh, sometime well before iOS 12. Yeah, and I, and I should also say that I'm super excited about iOS 11. I think the iPad is... Um, sort of getting the treatment that it deserves and that, you know, we're moving to this um, better like a better future in terms of moving content between apps, managing files and, you know, fewer taps to move a document from one place to another. Everything is just so much simpler in terms of inter-app communication. And, uh, and I also like that, you know, all of these features are iPad only and iPad first, at least for now. I have some concerns and we have some concerns because we think some... Features could be done better, but overall, um, you know, this is a this is like a whole rethinking of iOS 11 for pro users, and it requires some time to adjust. And maybe I feel like our reaction to these changes, it's because we are exposed to iOS every single day for work, and so switching to iOS 11 is quite a shock. Um, and I I do think that it's gonna be an iteration of these problems that we mentioned. But overall, I mean, I've been working on iOS 11 for the past two weeks and I try to go back to iOS 10 and I was like, mm, I'm, you know, maybe the mm -hmm. split view app picker is better, but everything else is like, I don't have drag and drop. I don't have the dock. I don't have the files app. Yeah. And everything just seems so old and sort of slow. And I'm... I'm really, really excited about iOS 11. There's some things I don't like right now, some things that will change with the betas, but overall, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great release. And again, we haven't seen anything from third-party developers. So that's going to be exciting. No. And we have, uh, we have three months of you know testing and more podcasts and more complaints and praise to share. So it's definitely going to be fun. 
Absolutely. I think you're looking at some of these features are going to be day one features, right? Like multitasking are going to be day one features. Drag and drop is going to be something that, you remember when, when iOS 9 came in, it was kind of like a, a year of kind of pleasure because every so often your next favorite app would get the features you wanted and then the next one would come along and so on. And then it turned into frustration because Google Docs never had those features. Um, and I, I think that some of those things like drag and drop um, and uh interoperating with the files application that's going to take some time for developers to build in but the cool thing about multitasking is that it works already so even if you download ios 10 apps um, from the app store in ios 11 you can do all those new behaviors with those apps already and that's that's very interesting and i think that's why maybe our, our criticisms of the multitasking stuff are so well developed it's because that's the one thing that we have been able to use to its full extent already because it basically works from an app point of view, it works the same way as it does in iOS 10. So that's probably one of the parts that we've maybe exercised the most so far and, and found the corners on it that we're not so delighted with. But I think overall, like you said, Federico, I agree, it's going to be a great release, but there are some things that probably need to be addressed, hopefully yeah. sooner rather than later. And I hope by you know doing this show, by filing radars, by talking to people, that we can hopefully contribute to that as in as positive a way as we can i think yes you know i don't i don't want to be you know a chicken little and the sky is falling and i hate change and blah 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 because I, i'm certainly not that kind of person but at the same time my take on this i think i do have and i think you do as well some sense that there's a couple of corners here that are really going to great if we don't get them polished off before the before the final release so yeah. Yeah. with that you know yay for ios 11 Please, for some of our radars to get fixed before uh, the final version. But that's our show for this week. Uh, iOS 11 after a couple of weeks worth of use. Uh, and our not our initial thoughts, but our perhaps more seasoned thoughts on the whole topic. We are on Twitter at underscore Canvas FM. You can get show notes for this show at relay.fm slash canvas. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Fraser Spears. Federico is Vitici. And we'll be back with you next show.